Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio presented by Blackheart Gold Pants SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host DC with me as always is Jerry Sherwin. Jer, how you doing? This is my favorite part of the week. A nice solid near hour with you guys. A little behind the scenes. Champ was a little too negative to start the show so we restarted it again. Take two with us as always the people's champ David Johnson. Champ How's your second time doing right now? Oh, I am so much happier now starting this show. I was a negative little Nancy to start the last show. So we said, you know what? Let's start it again. The champ needs to be a little more positive. I am very excited. I echo Jerome's thoughts. This is my favorite time of the week as well. Actually getting to talk some sports while there is no sports on TV right now. But that's all right. You come here, Spoko Radio, and we'll bring it to you anyway. We're going to get a little hypothetical, guys. But uh, first, rem- reminder to subscribe wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Let's kick it off, guys. Similar to what we did last week with building your all-time high- Iowa-, Iowa Hawkeyes starting five, we're going to do a football twist to it. You have to put together a game-winning drive for the Hawkeyes. You need a quarterback, running back, tight end and three wide receivers from the past 20 years who are you putting on your team jerry we'll start with you well my team is going to be a go to master champion so right off the top i'm taking ricky stanzi to be my quarterback not only is my team going to be able to run correctly but they're also going to be able to pull together some of the biggest comebacks of all time we're talking about a game winning drive ricky stanzi has those in spades I think that was the one thing when we were in school and we got to see him live. The reason he bought out or beat out Jay Christensen and then held on to the job throughout his senior year is the fact that when time came for a, somebody to make some sort of big-time play, Ricky Stanzi would get the job done. A lot of the times it would be because of his own doing by throwing a meaningless, stupid, like deep center field pick, but he would always somehow figure out a way to bring us back into it. So I want to go to champion to teach my running back who is none other than Akram Wadley, who is in some trouble of his own on Twitter. But you know what? Like Ricky says, energy moves around the corner, and I like Akram Wadley's energy. I like the way he can catch the ball out of the backfield. I love his wiggle. I think he gives me a big-time dynamic running back in the backfield. To partner up with my three receivers, I'm going three receivers first before my tight end because I'm still trying to decide in my mind which one I'm going to pick. So my receivers, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, Marvin McNutt, the most sure-handed receiver Iowa's ever had. I want DJK, who was probably the most dynamic one I've seen. And then the one, the third receiver, who's probably going to be better than both of them when it's all said and done. I want Amir Smith-Marset. This is the most dynamic receiving and running back uh, core that you can imagine out of Iowa sports. Not only to say that they've all been in the last couple of years when all four or three of us have been part of Iowa athletics, but needless to say, my tight end right off the top. Wait, going, wait, 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 before you do your tight end, because literally we have the exact same team right now. Oh, man. So can you go a full six for six? Who is your tight end? Okay, if I'm if I'm gonna try to t- match your team, you're going to TJ. No, you're going no, no. Oh, uh. I'm going 
with Tony Moiaki. Okay, I did not have Tony Mo. Him and Ricky Stanzi had a big-time connection. I know Tony Moe had a little bit of an injury history, but he could have been one of the best tight ends in Iowa Hawkeye history had he not. I know that you guys are going to pick some of the other ones. I always have an infatuation with Tony Moiaki, his mother and his father, great people. So bring me Tony Moe just to complete that 2008 to 2010 team. Tight end's the hardest position, I think, to, to narrow down for me. Same with quarterback a little bit. Because I, I had Dallas Clark or Noah Fant. Those are the two guys I was between. I'm going with Noah Fant ultimately. But uh, Champ, uh, and I'm not going to go through the rest of my team because Jerry and I have the exact same everything else. Champ, who is on your team? All right. I will. I have a couple similarities, but there is also a lot of differences on my team. So I will start with the quarterback. I went with Drew Tate. I've loved Drew Tate ever since I started at Iowa. Like you guys heard last week, he was uh, a big part of me coming to Iowa. With that Capital One Bowl play to Solomon, I, I just loved his competitiveness. And you want to talk about a guy that can bring you back at any time, that was Drew Tate. I mean, whether you're down late in games, whether you have to come back, you know, even in the middle of games when they were down big numbers, Drew Tate would come around. He would provide the, the great quarterback play that you needed. I understand he struggled a little bit his senior year, but give me Drew Tate every day of the week. I love myself some Ricky Stanzi, obviously, as well. But I went with Drew Tate. Running back, I don't know how the hell you both can go with Akram Wadley when Sean Green is the best Iowa running back that they've ever had in their university. Akram Wadley right now, as Jer said, not going through some great things on Twitter. He's forgetting to pay P- or, uh, s- send things that people have paid for. But that's a whole other topic for another day. Sean Green is my running back. He's an absolute beast. You need short yardage. You give Sean Green the rock on that last drive, and he's going to produce for you. My three wideouts are, I have two of the same as you guys. I also have Marvin McNutt and DJK. But my third wideout is Timmy Dwight. I don't know how you guys forgot about old Timmy. I don't think Tim Dwight follows a 20-year rule. Uh, I think he does. I think he was around in like the early Googling. Maybe you guys might be right. He might not follow the 20-year rule. I I thought he played like from... 97 to like 01 on Iowa, but I could be wrong. Let's see. Let's see what the old Google machine comes up with with that one. I'll go to my tight end while you guys are looking up that. He 97 was his last year there, champ. God damn it. Sorry, Tim <laughs> Boy. You've been eliminated uh, off the top of my head. I will go Clinton Solomon. He'll be my last wide receiver <laughs> in the 20 year run because just because I don't want to pick the same three as you guys. My tight end is Dallas Clark. I you mean, don't want like, Brandon Smith in his uh, big-time hands? No, he's too inconsistent for me. Dallas Clark may be the best Iowa football player that they've ever seen. He had probably the greatest pro career amongst most Iowa players as well. So give me Dallas Clark as my tight end, and that is my team. So, Jim, I wanted Sean Green, obviously, probably the best Iowa running back but um, in the last 20 years. But I think you're looking at this from a game-winning drive perspective. You're not going to be really pounding the rock in a game-winning drive I mean, there was no time limit on this drive. It could be a Michigan State-esque Big Ten drive that takes nine minutes and 19 plays. Why are you going to bring that up? This is a positive time. We restarted the show already. Sean Green might pound the rock 10 to 12 times on that drive. It might just be an an all-Sean Green drive with a little Drew Tate to Marvin or Dallas Clark mixed in. It could be, you know, half the plays could be Sean Green. Jared, Jared and I subscribe to the no running the ball theory. We don't like we don't like to run the ball. 
Well, yeah, if, I, my, I mean, if it's if it's a two minute drive, then Akram Wadley probably makes the most sense. But there was no time specified to me, so that's why I went with Sean Green. Listen, champ, you're not wrong, and I'm saving my Sean Green stuff for later in the show because we have another thing that we'll be talking about. But right, like I'm just thinking about being multiple and Sean Green. Like I don't know off the top of my head. I never really looked into this, but do how many passes do you think he caught in like that that magical season? Like ten. He was not a, a very good pass rece- receiver. He's so so been- now think about like the way we have talked about this last football season when we talk about Brian Ferentz and and being how these coaches know what's going on based on the package that they put out there. If you see Sean Green and you see a and you see a fullback and you see the lineman they have out there with two tight ends, like you know what I was going to be doing. But that's fine because Sean Green still could get you six yards a clip because he could no one could tackle him. He was a human bowling ball, so you got to put Sean Green on your team. You're Legit six long. yards because that's what he averaged in 2008. Exactly. There but, you, and who wouldn't want six yards of pump giving him the rock? But to Jerry's point, can you guess the number of receptions that he had in 2008? I'll guess 13. Jer? I said 10. Eight. Eight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's less than one a game. That's pretty bad. That's not great at all. He still averaged six yards of reception, though. I, that's the model of consistent. Every time he touched the ball, he got six yards. That's all you can ask for. <laughs> You're getting the first down every time he touches it twice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, guys, let us know on Twitter who would be your your skill guys if you needed a game-winning drive with the Iowa Hawkeyes from the past 20 years. Let's shift gears a little bit, Jerry. You had a tweet this week basically saying uh, your favorite Iowa victory you saw in person, your favorite Iowa victory you saw on TV – the one game you wish you had back, and who is your favorite Hawkeye of all time? Champ loved that so much. He wanted to throw that and debate that and talk about that on the show this week. So we figured, why not we? Why don't we answer those questions ourselves? So we'll do question by question. We'll go around. We'll go around here on the uh, video chat and uh, answer them. But Champ, we'll start with you. Who? What is your favorite Iowa victory that you've seen in person? Uh, this goes back to a game I discussed on my champs pick six last week, and it is in 2008 against Penn State. Uh, that victory to me was the best game I saw in person. It was the most excited I've been after a game, winning that game. Penn State came in, like I said, they were undefeated, number three in the nation. It was a 2:30 start. It was an ugly, for the most part, pretty ugly game. But Iowa came out ahead at the end. Uh, Daniel Murray hit a big-time field goal to win that game, and the, the field was rushed. It was a memory I'll never forget. It was a huge win for Iowa. I mean, they were struggling a bit that season, but uh, that win got them, I believe, to 6-4. and four. I think they were 5-4 and four going into that game. And uh, Penn State, yeah, was undefeated. Ruined their national championship hopes that year, and that was my favorite game to be at and watch Iowa win in person. Two things, because this is my game. This is my favorite game I've seen in person as well. But and the one thing that sticks out to me was just how cold that – because it wasn't that late in the season, mm-hmm. but it was still so cold that game. It was yeah, so, it, so cold. It was very cold. Um, but the other thing I was thinking of when we were thinking this question is how many really classic games have we seen in person? Like, I feel like all of the big-time memorable games, like a lot of your pick-six games, Champ, for example, are games that we weren't in school for, so we had a much less likelihood of being there in person for. Yeah, that's true. A lot of those games have happened since we've graduated, or we've been at games 
that we thought were going to be memorable games like the Big Ten Championship that ended up being lo- memorable losses. So, yeah, you're right. It's the, Since we've graduated, a lot of the big-time wins have happened, and so therefore we haven't been at a lot of them. But, Jared, would you have a different game in mind by chance? I chose a different game because I knew one of you would take this. This was also would have been my choice, but for the sake of the podcast and for the sake of us having something else to talk about, I picked the Orange Bowl. I, I don't know if either of you were there, but I had the, the luxury of being able to go to the Orange Bowl when Iowa beat uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, yeah. And uh, it just kind of goes – it coincides with kind of the guys that I just picked for the team before. Like that game, Tony Moyaki had four four catches, 85 yards. DJK was awesome. Brandon Weger came out of the woodwork, and he had a better game than Adam Robinson, if you remember. Ricky Stanzi was great, but it was that defense that held Georgia Tech to 14 points after all the talking heads throughout that entire, like, off season, like in between the practices for bowl season – Nobody thought that Norm Parker would be able to get the 4-3, slow it down, rough them up, Big Ten Iowa Hawkeyes to stop the triple option. Nobody thought that I was going to be able to win this game, and all Norm Parker did was shut them all up. And on top of it, like I mentioned last week and here today, the if you don't love it, leave it, USA, number one. I was in the stands to see that live. Every I was freaking out, and I thought that was going to be a huge moment before, and then it blew up on Twitter without me even knowing what was happening and all of the blogs and everything like that. So um, the Orange Bowl is definitely up there. It's probably second behind that Penn State game. This might go hand-in-hand hand with, with the next question here, but are there any games you, mm, I guess, might have had the opportunity to see in person that you didn't, that you – wish you'd looking back on that would be that would be your favorite it's totally Uh, random off topic follow-up question that you guys weren't prepared for but i'm gonna throw it out there anyway yes i have one but champ do you have one off top of your head go ahead jerome you go first i should have been at seven got six but i didn't go so i went home to see my family instead and to this day it is a big time sports regret so my regret is a game we actually lost, uh, and it was the season, what is it, 2010, no, two, the year we lost to Northwestern, 2008, where we were undefeated. 2009. Nine. Nine. 2000, 2009, we were undefeated. I went home uh, for a buddy's birthday instead of going to that game, and I can I watched it at home, and I blame myself for not being there. They were undefeated going to that game. I blame Cor- you, too. Corey fucking Wooten knocked out uh, Ricky. Ricky. It, it, it was so depressing. And Iowa lost their perfect season and then went to um, Ohio State Ohio State the next week and lost again, but still ended up going to the Orange Bowl. But, yeah, I, I blame myself for that game that we didn't win. And, yeah, that would be my regret. It was all, all your fault, champ. All right, well, let's go. let's go back to the favorite memory. Your favorite Iowa victory that you've seen on TV – Mine personally, before I kick it to you guys, it all might be similar, honestly. It's uh, Woodshed. We were all together for that game. And to me, that will always stand in just from the fact that it was A, a great win, but B, that we were all together with a bunch of other friends and it was just a great overall day. But having that in person and then that outcome really made it pop. Yeah, it was one of my favorite games to see on TV. What about you, Jer? Um, yeah, agreed. Woodshed, one of the top moments of my entire fandom, but this is going to show my, my picks here today are showing a lot of what time we were in school and that magical 2009 season. But I still, I, I can almost remember the entire game, Iowa at number five, Penn state, 
We had the the scoop and score by Adrian Claiborne. It was the it was the ABC Saturday night game. Everybody was watching. It was pouring down rain in Happy Valley. It would look disgusting. My wife was actually there with Adam Robinson's tickets. He hooked her uh, her and her family up. We all live here in Philadelphia. Um, but that game was just it, nobody again. Once again, this just goes with the entire 2009 team. Nobody expected them to do what they did, and they continuously. Um, overachieved and beat down teams and proved everybody wrong. That game was absolutely stunning. It was a great thing to watch on TV live. And I mean, anytime you can get Brent Musburger to talking and doing your game, it just adds fuel to the fire. It's the reason that starts this show every single week. That's it. Uh, Champ, what's your answer? Both wonderful calls. I, I, I have written down the woodshed game as well. Like DC said, not only, was it a great actual victory just beating an undefeated Ohio State mercilessly? Like DC said, we were all together. We were at a bar. It was a wonderful day. We were absolutely obliterated. I believe we had ordered at least two or three rounds of entire trays worth of shots. Our waiter slash waitress, I think they switched like halfway through. We had two wonderful servers that were just continuously just bringing us drinks throughout the day and it was just a wonderful day a lot of great camaraderie with everybody and we were all going nuts we had the whole bar going crazy by the end of that game everybody was rooting for Iowa whether they had a rooting interest in the game or not they all just joined our fun and it was it was a wonderful game to watch on tv and just a wonderful day in general I loved it it's a great great game champ you said you wish you had back the uh 09 Northwestern game is that the one game is that the answer to the next question it is not actually I, the game I wish that Iowa had back was the tw- it it was played in 2017 but I always call it the 2016 Rose Bowl game against Stanford coming off a season they had where they were undefeated they lose a heartbreaking Interesting. game and yeah I know everybody's like I would take back the you know the Big 10 championship game but to me being in the Rose Bowl is your number one goal as a Big 10 fan and making it to the Rose Bowl the amount of merchandise I think we all bought, bought for that game, it would be so great that we could, if we, we still all wear it, but it would be great if we could just wear that in pride and be like, hey, we kicked the shit out of Stanford and Christian McCaffrey that day. But instead, Christian McCaffrey just absolutely destroyed Iowa, not just in the first quarter, he had three touchdowns, and uh, that game was over real quick. So that would be the game I'd take back. I would love for Iowa to have won that game. I've never seen them win a Rose Bowl in my time on earth hopefully that comes soon enough but that would be my <laughs> one that i would take back chance to build on that this wasn't my game but i think he just talked me into it a little bit because the big 10 championship game was originally my answer but i think in the same way that that game seemingly gave iowa more respect nationally i wish they would have followed it up with a much, win or lose a much better performance in the rose bowl like yep. that just going from the Actually, Iowa's defense is pretty pretty good if they played this well against a good team like Michigan State. To then follow it up and just get completely torched by Christian McCaffrey, that hurts a lot. And I think I think if they would have even played, not necessarily again, not winning, but played better, you could have seen this kind of take another step towards what we all clamor for on, on a yearly basis every July, August, and what expectations are for this team. But Jared, what is the one game you wish you had that you could have back? Do you guys remember the Choose Your Own Adventure Goosebump novels when you were a kid? Yes, love those. I'm going to give you one right now. Choose Your Own Adventure between this year against Michigan, this year against Penn State, or this year against Wisconsin. Because 
yes, it's recency bias, but all three of those games, this is what I consider like a take back game, a game that you can easily win. That's why the, the, the Big Ten Championship, it's too far away. I've already let that thing go. The, the USC or the uh, the Rose Bowl, God almighty, that was terrible from the get-go. I turned that game off. That game was – I still don't even want to think about it. But this year, that Michigan game and that Penn State game, if not the Wisconsin game, just crushed us. I don't know if you guys remember how much, but it literally made us like – it made me exhausted thinking about how they left so much out there. And if they would have just figured out a way to probably just win one of them – Iowa's season would have been different. And we're talking about a Brian Ferentz USC game for Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. And all of a sudden, maybe some things are a little bit different for this team. It ended up great. But what we saw Brian figure out against USC, I would have really liked to see against the Ohio State in a Big Ten Championship. Yeah, that Wisconsin game was huge because I think that's where you get that that sliding door moment that you're just looking for. That the Ohio State game as the USC game would would have happened if they would have found a way to beat Wisconsin. All right, yeah. well, and ended on this one. Your favorite Hawkeye of all time, Jerry. I think you kind of alluded to yours earlier, so I'll let you let you kick things off this round. Yep, uh, Sam Laporta is my favorite Hawkeye <laughs> of all time. Uh, no, it's Sean Green that. Again, I'm showing when I went to school, I'm showing my age, all that nonsense. But Sean Green, every single game, I went to a lot of road games that season two, got to watch him a lot. 100 yards every single time he took the field. He obliterated teams. Ricky didn't have to do too much that season except for handoff to the guy that was literally moving furniture the season before. And for that to happen, Sean Green's a lot of things. Being a nice guy is not one of them. But he's a great fucking football player. And that dude, like we mentioned already, six yards per carry, six yard per catch. He was an instant first down every time he touched the rock two times. He scored so many damn touchdowns. He like him ripping the soul out of Wisconsin and Minnesota and Illinois. It was just something special to watch. He was very I mean, we tried to get him into the Heisman voting that year. I still have the T-shirt. The vote is going green or the Heisman's going green vote 23. We, I think we wore those on the Penn State night when it was cold out. Everybody had their yep. jackets on, but you're supposed to be wearing the green over. I figured out a way to snug up in my schmedium, put it outside of my jacket so everybody knew I was supporting. But Sean Green, one of the statistically best running backs in Iowa history and probably one of the greatest players in Kirk Ferentz era. It's a great answer. Champ, who is your favorite Hawkeye of all time? Uh, mine goes right along with Jerry and as a guy who was there when I was in school, who was an absolute dominant force and it's Adrian Claiborne for me. I absolutely oh. loved AC. He was an absolute beast on the football field. H- had the opportunity to meet him a couple times as well in the bars of Iowa city he was a real nice gentleman. I, that comes into play with me. I know Jerry said Sean green, not the greatest of human beings. I never got to meet him, but AC was always nothing but nice whenever he'd run into him at the bars, and he was an absolute beast on the football field. And he's turned himself into a damn good pro, too. I mean, he's been in the NFL for going on double digits now. I think this is his 10th or 11th year in the pros. He just signed another new contract this week. I mean, he's been a solid, solid player in the league, but his time at Iowa, nobody could block him one-on-one coming off the edge, like Jer said in that Penn State game. That's a game that you're. That's a moment you're never going to forget when he blocked that punt, scooped and scored in the pouring rain in Happy Valley, made him not so happy. It was absolutely awesome. AC is my favorite Hawkeye of all time. I love him. Great number, ninety four. Can't beat it. Adrian Claiborne. He's an absolute predator. That two thousand nine season, he was special. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the champ that he's my answer too. He just was so dominant. You give me a good pass rusher to watch. Same rate, same way with AJ Epinesa for the past three years. It it's the same. It's you just I'm drawn to that. And he was so dominant. Adrian Claiborne was. That is, he is hands down my favorite Hawkeye of all time. When I was in school, I had a '94 jersey. It, it just he was electrifying to watch the black block punt the I mean he champ and he just is a nice guy you know I, I met him a couple times myself super nice super you know w- willing to talk to to people who came up to him and talk to him so it was absolutely great I enjoy, really enjoy talk or love watching him play he was definitely my favorite guy what's up Jer he also has one of the greatest parents in Hawkeye history his mother I'm yeah. pretty sure the story is she moved to campus to make sure that he and lived with him. Or if not live with him, live right down the street to make sure that he didn't get in any trouble and would get to the league. She did everything she could possibly could to make sure Adrian kept a good head on his shoulders, didn't get caught up with the wrong crowd, and stuck to football. And I think, you know, seeing her at Shields, seeing her in the crowd at Kinnick, seeing her outside when we were tailgating, Miss um, Claiborne, or classic, classic Iowa parent. We're going to end the show this week on a few different Mount Rushmores. It's kind of, I was in a very unique spot because there's a few, a bunch of different types of ways you could look at who would make up Mount Rushmore players from whether it's a coach's standpoint, overall players and coaches throughout the history of time. And you can also look at the past 20, 20 plus years of just Kirk Ferentz era players. So we're going to do each of these. We're going to do a Mount Rushmore of Iowa coaches all time, whoever you want in there. We're going to do a Mount Rushmore of overall athletic-related people at the University of Iowa, and we're going to close it out on a Mount Rushmore of Kirk Ferentz-era players. And champ, to avoid any clarification, is football players. Yeah, we had a little issue pre-show when we were discussing <laughs> this, but I'm all clear now. I'm ready to roll. He's ready to go, so we'll start with the coaches. Jer- or champ, we'll start with you. What is Who is on your Mount Rushmore of Iowa coaches? Okay, my uh, Mount Rushmore of Iowa coaches consists of, obviously, my number one. I, I know there's not really a, like an order to an, a Mount Rushmore. It's just kind of four people. But I, my number one is obviously Kirk Ferentz. I think that's going to go without saying for everybody. I also have Lisa Bluter on my uh, Mount Rushmore for Iowa coaches. I have Tom Brands because I think he's been an absolute amazing wrestling coach for this program. Him and his brother have done a wonderful job. And then number four for me is Fran McCaffrey. I think Fran is going to continuously grow with the Iowa coaching staff. He's going to continue to move up this list. I think he's going to be here for a long time. This is his ninth season. And I put him on my list. So those are my uh, Mount Rushmore for uh, Iowa coaches of all time. It's an interesting list there, champ. Jerry, who's on your Mount Rushmore? People are going to be mad at you, Chad. That's fine. I, I love when people get mad at me. I, I love it. Well, first and foremost, the number one choice here is not Kirk Ferentz, shockingly, but it is the one and only Dan Gable, who is probably the number one best coach in all of probably collegiate wrestling, period. Uh, Olympic wrestling, maybe. And on top of it, University of Iowa, the amount of winning that he did as head coach for, I think it was like 76 to 96 or something like that is just absolutely stunning. The guy has changed collegiate wrestling. He has changed his university for the better. And uh, he has to be, if there was a number one, if there's a George Washington of Iowa athletic coaches, it's Dan Gable. In the same vein, champ, you mentioned it, it's Tom Brands. 
if you win national championships for the university, you have to go on onto the Mount Rushmore. Tom Brand's delivering. He probably would have delivered again this season if we didn't have a pandemic. Now, after that is a very tough thing for me. I have to put Hayden Fry on there because we wouldn't be here with the Kirk Ferentz era without Hayden Fry. And there's a lot of coaching trees and a lot of coaching pro- and programs that wouldn't be here without Hayden Fry, too. He changed Iowa football. We were a laughing stock. He made it for the better. And we've had, I mean, before we were born now, consistency of like 40 some years of being relevant in the Big Ten because of him. And my fourth spot, I, I did a lot of debating. But it has to be Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz has the longevity now, the winning streak. He is the dean of all college football coaches. And I still think that he has a lot of football left to give, a lot of coaching left to give. And I think before it's all said and done, Kirk's got two more Big Ten championships in him. I'm very excited to see those happen in the next five years. Two Big Ten championships coming. What do you got, champ? I want to clarify something. I am an absolute moron, and I thought that this <laughs> lit. I'm going to admit it. I thought that this list, this Mount Rushmore of coaches, was only during the Kirk Ferentz era. That's why I obviously didn't put on legendary (laughs) coach Dan Gable and legendary coach Hayden Fry. They would obviously be on my list. But like I said, I was a little confused with this topic going into the show. So that's why they were not on my list. And I am sorry. I am great. That's fair, champ. We'll give you a redo. Who is your new all-time, without reasons as to why, just give me four names. Who is your... Mount Rushmore of all-time Iowa coaches. I would take off. Uh, I would have Kirk Ferentz. I would Love have you, Lisa. Fry. See ya. See you, Lisa. I mean, it's <laughs> Kirk Ferentz. It's Hayden Fry. It is um, Hayden. Hayden. Did, did I say Hayden Fry? Kirk Ferentz, Hayden Fry. Let's Dan Gable. Gable. Dan Gable. And my fourth would be, I I probably would agree with Jared. Probably be Tom Brands. It would be the same four. <laughs> All right. Well, my four is very similar. I've got Dan Gable, Hayden Fry, Kirk Ferentz, and um, my fourth is going to be Dr. Tom Davis. And, and that I think was the he, one I debated. He he didn't win a national championship, but he's the winningest bat, men's basketball coach mm-hmm. in Iowa history. Um, and I think that's definitely worth something because I think, some, especially the three of us, we weren't alive during the heyday of Iowa basketball. Um, but Iowa was a legitimate basketball school in the 80s. Yeah. And that's because yeah. of Dr. Tom Davis. And so to me, that definitely deserves a Mount Rushmore spot in my world. Let's I, shift gear. What do you got? No, I agree. And just the last time I was in the lead eight was his first season as head coach of this basketball team. And they probably would have made the final four. I think they're expected to run into the final four if they didn't run into that UNLV team. So, yeah. And when everyone comes back next year and Fran takes his team in the final four, maybe he'll get a spot in the Mount Rushmore moving forward. Can't wait. Then, champ, you could put him back on. And then I can put him back on because I was a moron and didn't understand the rules and had him on originally. All right, we're going to re-explain this next one so champ's on the same page here. This is all-time Iowa-related athletic people, coaches, players, whatever, any years. No, You're not restricted to any era, champ. But, Jerry, we'll start with you. Who is on your all-time Iowa Hawkeye Mount Rushmore? My my first one I'm going to throw on here because I know none of you guys took it, and if you did, good for you. But it's Megan Gustafson, the single greatest women's basketball <laughs> player 
maybe in Big Ten history and Iowa history. I just think that if we're going to talk about collegiate athletics, I have a, a piece coming out on Friday about how the NCAA is a bunch of bullshit scam artists. So if I'm going to talk about the NCAA and student hyphen athletes, I need to make sure that I have the greatest solo basketball player in Lisa Bluter and women's basketball history in Iowa. So I'm throwing her on. Number two, you can't have a Mount Rushmore without Niall Kinnick. Niall Kinnick. The only Heisman Trophy winner in Iowa history, of course, this is a no-brainer. He's an American hero and the sole name of our beloved football stadium with the pink locker rooms that we get to enjoy, waving to those beautiful kids in the hospital every single Saturday. My third option, I'm putting Sean Green on the list of single greatest Iowa athletes of all time. Again, I've said this earlier. I will say it again. His season was special. It's unlike anything else we have ever seen. It was old school style football that he just took. I mean, the dude, the hits that he took, the hits that he gave, it was special. It was spectacular. I'm putting him on the list. And finally, this is a, this is a little bit of recency bias. But I think when it's all said and done, it'll make sense. So it's a futuristic pick in the same token. But I'm putting Luca Garza on my Mount Rushmore because similar to the Sean Green reason is the same reason I'm putting Luca on. This was a special type of season from a special player. And I think we will get one more of those when he comes back next year and brings Iowa to the Final Four. I'm glad you had the balls to put Luca Garza on your list because <laughs> I admittedly did not. I After one amazing season, I did not put him on my list, but I'm glad you did. I do agree that if he has comes back and has another wonderful year, which I expect, he definitely could be on your list. But I, I'm glad you had the balls to do it. You're a better man than me. All right, Champ. Well, let's. What's, who's on your list then? If you didn't have Luca Garza, who's who's cracking your Mount Rushmore? I'll I'll start with Niall Kinnick. Uh, that's an obvious one for me as well. I mean, the stadium is literally named after the man. He's he's got to be on a Mount Rushmore for all of Iowa athletics. He's was on mine. Uh, I will put Hayden Fry in for me. He's my number two. I think Jer made a beautiful point on the coach's uh, discussion that without Hayden Fry, there is no Kirk Ferentz. And literally this in, this entire coaching tree that Hayden Fry has produced, not only for Iowa, but for other you know coaches throughout the nation, Hayden Fry is an absolute legend. He deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. So he is my number two. Number three for me is B.J. Armstrong. While he might not have had the great, he, he did. He had a great career at Iowa. I think what he did in the NBA, winning three uh, NBA championships with the Chicago Bulls, you got to put BJ on your on your Mount Rushmore. He was an exceptional pro, great point guard for those not you know early '90s Bulls teams. So I had BJ Armstrong on mine. And my number four, I had to throw a football player on there because you can't you know have a Mount Rushmore without an actual football player. For me, it's Dallas Clark. I think Dallas Clark not only provided the talent on the field for the Iowa Hawkeyes, like I said, he had a great pro career as well. And I think when all is said and done, Dallas Clark might be the greatest Iowa football athlete besides Niall Kinnick that Iowa has ever seen. So I put Dallas Clark on my um, four for um, the Iowa in general people. I like it. Mine, I'm going to go with Niall Kinnick, and I think we all love Niall Kinnick so much, but I also think if you look at The Athletic this week, they're going through the top players to wear every single number in college football. Niall Kinnick is the best pers- best player to ever wear 24 in, in all of college football in the history of college football. That is Mount Rushmore worthy. 
Swinney Cone even just specifically to Iowa. So he's on my list. Dan Gable, we've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. He was 355, 21, and 5 in Stupid. at the University of Iowa. That is Mount Rushmore worthy without a doubt. I think you guys have both said it repeatedly. Hayden Fry is on my Mount Rushmore because without him, the Iowa football program is not what it is today. And I'm throwing Kirk Ferentz on there because, similar to what Jared said earlier, he still has some gas in the tank. It's similar to your Luca Garza reason. It's similar. It's to it's because I still think he's going to, when all said and done, be a all-time head football coach in college football, not alone, let alone the University of Iowa. So he's got the four spot on my, on my Mount Rushmore list. I like that. Three coaches. That's I like that a lot. It's a good list. All right, and we'll close it up this week with Ference era football players, champ. Jerry, we'll start with you. <laughs> and I've, earlier, just uh, the reason I laughed there is earlier on the show, or before we started when we had to restart, champ, when we were trying to explain the rules, kept calling it the Kirk Aaron Sfera. Uh, so these you know are the what? Kirk- we discussed my pre-show problems. They led into the start of the terrible show number one. I fucked up on my list. I admit it. We've moved on. Go with your list, Jerome. All right. For the Kirk Aaron's Farah players, we are going with. <laughs> an asshole. Number one, Dallas Clark. Champ, you mentioned already, but probably goes down as the most consistent NFL tight end and probably the start of Iowa's trend as tight end you. With no Dallas Clark. I don't know if we get that type of developmental and that type of pipeline down the line to add guys like TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant and Tony Moyaki, the Derbies, all those guys in that long lineage of tight ends at Iowa. I'm also throwing in Bob Sanders, who was really hard for me to leave off my all-time list of athletes, my all-time list of Iowa Hawkeyes. Bob Sanders, you talk to any single person that has been a part of this program since the Kirk Ferentz era. Bob Sanders is apparently one of the nicest guys, one of the most informative guys, and one of the most biggest or the biggest game-changing guys that Iowa's ever had. And on top of it, we talk about another great NFL career. I'm also throwing on Sean Green. Again, I don't have to touch on it. And then number four, another guy that tried to get a Heisman Trophy that none of us have mentioned yet today, but Brad Banks. If you're going to talk about a Kirk Ferentz player, I know that we talked about Ricky Stanzi. I know that we talked about Drew Tate. But if you're going to have another guy that's going to try to win you a drive, Brad Banks was one of the most electric and one of the most best athletic specimens that Kirk Ferentz has ever had, especially at the quarterback position. So I'm putting him on the KF Mount Rushmore. Chairs are very, ours are very similar. I have Brad Banks, Bob Sanders, Dallas Clark, three guys who I think played a pivotal role in shaping Kirk Ferentz's career at Iowa having him find success and being successful and just taking off this program to what we've see, what we've come to see it here in 2020. And then the last guy, it's a bias pick. It's similar to your Sean Green. It's Adrian Claiborne for me. He's he's a fourth guy on Mount Rushmore list, personal favorite, and he's just going to have a special place in there. It's definitely biased. Um, but there's just there's so many different – I texted Jerry earlier this morning when we were making these lists. I was like having a very hard time limiting this to four – I'm just going to default to my bias here and give me my favorite guy. I'm going to go Adrian Claiborne. Champ, wrap the show. Your Kirk, Aaron's, Farah football players. <laughs> ready, set, go. Mine is literally a combination of your two lists. They, they are all the same players. It's just a different four. So mine is Bob Sanders, Dallas Clark, Sean Green, and Adrian Claiborne. We, bo- we all have three of the four as similarities. 
It's just that last one for all of us is a little different. A guy that I was the, the, the fifth for me that I was debating on putting on my list is Chad Greenway. I don't think Chad Greenway gets enough love for what he did with, with Iowa. He was an abs. Him and Abdul Hodge were dominant linebackers. Not Bo Chad, Bauer. Bo Bauer was solid, but not anywhere near these two. These these guys, you want to talk about linebacker you, everybody talks about tight end you, but Abdul Hodge and Chad Greenway made Iowa's linebackers a damn good unit. Chad Greenway then went on to have a wonderful pro career with the Vikings. He played, a, 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 I think, about 12 years in the NFL. So he was a guy that, if I had to name five guys, he would be my fifth guy, and I think he deserves a little love here. If you guys had to put it, an offensive lineman on the Mount Rushmore of the Kirk Ferentz era players. Who's your go-to similar to what we did with Dallas Clark, Bob Sanders kind of shaping that yep. way of, of getting a secondary being a secondary developmental program, a tight end, tight end. You, if you had to put an offensive lineman and I was trying to like go through the, all the list of all the guys and I couldn't just decide on one. Cause there's a, there's so many, but do you have anyone that comes to mind immediately who you would throw on your Mount Rushmore of Kirk Ferentz era players? Yes, number right off the top is Robert Gallery. I know that maybe he didn't have the best career with like the Raiders, but at Iowa, Robert Gallery was a behemoth monster that was unstoppable. And I know Marshall Yonda probably is another one, but Robert Gallery in an Iowa uniform was probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Iowa offensive lineman of all time, let alone the Ferentz era. Yeah, you touched on Marshall Yonda. He immediately comes to mind. But another guy is Brandon Scherf. I mean, he was an absolute fucking yep. beast at Iowa. He... He was a roadblock. I mean, you could not get past Brandon Scherf. He was a wonderful pass protector, a great run protector as well. He would pull. He would create huge holes for the running game. He's also having a very nice NFL career. He was a top five pick. So, yeah, he would. he's the guy that would come to mind to me because he's just a physical presence that you just couldn't get by the man. No, those are, those are two that came to my head immediately as well. Marshall Yonda as well as the third guy. It's it, maybe it's because there's offensive linemen don't get all of the glory to be Mount Rushmore worthy, but I feel like a Kirk Ferentz Mount Rushmore deserves an offensive lineman to be chosen in that rock. Yeah, it's a, that's a good call. Tristan Worse might be the guy when it's all said and done, too. That, too. All right, guys. Well, we had some discussions, some hypotheticals, some look backs at, at old times and good put time. together some. Some good times, some things we wish we had back, some celebrating some the all-time greats in Iowa history. Anything else you guys want to uh, touch on before we wrap the show this week? Uh, one quick thing. It sounds like if you have heard that Andy Katz interview with Luca Garza, Luca sounds as if he is coming back for sure. So if we do have a football and basketball season next year, guys, we are going to have a very special ride. Don't give me that if shit. We're going to have a football and basketball season next year. Let's be positive. It's going to happen. This virus is going to get contained, and we're going to get back to sports and normal life. From the champ's mouth to your ears, we'll wrap the show on that. Subscribe to the show. You You can subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We'll be back next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Trick or treat, Iowa City. (laughs) If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.